Not sure what comes to your mind when you hear this phrase that's right before us, the Word of God. Oftentimes, when uh, we speak of the Word of God, and especially today, we're going to see that there is what is commonly referred to as the written Word that we have before us and the living Word. Jesus Christ. But there is a sense uh, in which both are living, right? The word of God itself explains the, 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 the scriptures that we have before us are living. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and so forth. But I think to distinguish between the person, the word, and the scriptures, the word, we often use that designation, the written word, and the living word. So that's our subject today, the living word, the person. So and again, to distinguish between the person and the pages, if you will, of scripture, we, we call the Lord Jesus, the word, uh, the living word, the living God. He's often referred to in the scripture is uh, none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord, which is the word of God. So we're going to see this morning. We're going to elaborate, if you will. We're going to elaborate on the Word of God. So I trust everyone has a Bible, whether a hard copy like mine or a soft copy before you with your uh, uh, electronic device. I, I am grateful for such. Most, uh, The majority of my reading gets done on one of these electronic devices, and I find it very, very helpful. So what we'd like to look at this morning is in John chapter 1, 1 through 18, the living word, the person, the person called the word of God. And with that in view, uh, we'll go to the next slide, and that'll be our last slide, because we're going to elaborate on the word and his significance, and then the word and his significance to me. You know, it's one thing um, that someone is made an impact or has a, a, a great significance on our society. That's one thing, right? But it's another thing if that person has made an impact on me personally. And we're going to learn in our passage this morning that the Word of God will and should have significance with me, right? It should. Let's think of it a little further, right? I can think, and you can too, of a lot of, of, of individuals that have impacted our country, for say, or the world, right? I think I mentioned to you some time ago, we uh, read the, a, a, a story or a biography somewhat about Abraham Lincoln and how what an impact he made on our great country. Well, that's all has its place, and that is wonderful. But what impact does that have on me now and, and eternity? Well, we're going to prove this morning that the Word of God has made has such meaning, has such... <clears throat> such significance that it will and should impact me from the day-to-day affairs of life on throughout all eternity, the ages to come. So with that in view, uh, we have some youthful readers that are going to come up and read this portion. But as we do, I want to give you a challenge because what we're going to do is elaborate on the Word of God and watch as He is revealed in verse 1, and there is a marvelous progression of development about the Word. 
So we will uh, comment on that after the readers. So follow along in your own Bible. I'm not sure where they're there. We are. They're coming our way. So listen carefully as we read John chapter 1. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him, and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace." For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Nathaniel. Okay, let's do that. Let's follow from verse 1 through verse 18, and just we'll take a quick rundown and see what we can find out about the word. First of all, in verse 1, in the beginning was. You see that? Was. Was the word. So the word was in the beginning. Then also in verse 1, the word was what? With God. The word was with God. And then also in verse 1, the word was God. Correct? Now, we keep going to verse number four, which is still the subject. All things were made by him, verse three. So we're talking about the word. Verse number four, in him was life. So here's the, cre- or the creator, or excuse me, verse three, the, uh, all things were made by him. Then in verse four, in him was life. Here is the source of life. You and I have derived life, right? There was a source, uh, and that is the word. Okay, and then and in verse number uh, four, he's introduced also not only the source of life, but he's also called, right, light. The life was the light of men. Do we see that? Right? The word was the light of men. Now, we'll elaborate on all these uh, as we're able. Then in verse four, we're going to skip down uh, to verse 14. Right? Now, we're not skipping over these verses because... 
We're still, the subject is the word. We'll, we'll comment on some of these. The subject is the word of God, and you can see how it, 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 uh, it, it translates in verse 9, that was the true light that lights everyone that comes into the world. Speaking about the light, right? The word. And then in verse 10, he, right? He was in the world, the light, right? The true light. So what, what we're going to do now is 14. And the word, the subject again, the word was made flesh. So he became flesh, right? That he who was in the beginning, who he was with God, he who was God became flesh. Verse 14. And then look at verse, also verse 14. We beheld his glory. Now we're getting to verse 17. The word has a name, right? Uh, we can see in verse 15 and 16, it's still the subject of the word. John bear witness of him. And this was he and his Fullness, right? So the subject is still a word. Then in verse 17, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The word has a name, right? And we're going to elaborate on all these as we uh, continue. And then lastly, verse 18, the only begotten son. You see that, right? No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten son who is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, the word and his significance. Let's think a little bit about that term first, the word, right? I think most of us are familiar with the fact that that our New Testament Bibles were written initially in the Greek language. So that word in the Greek language is the word logos, logos, I think. And just to help us get a, a, a grasp of that, uh, it, it, it bears out in two meanings uh, in, in the Word of God. The reason or intelligence as it exists inwardly in the mind, and then the reason or intelligence as it is as expressed outwardly in speech. Both of these are understood to be, are, are seen when, uh, in regarding Christ as the Word of God. So when the Word, the Logos, uh, as he's described here, what he does is he expresses and explains and reveals to the world who God is. Wonderful. Again, most of us are familiar with logos, right? I saw a logo this morning on somebody's cup, right? Starbucks has a logo. Uh, it's amazing, right? You can draw three circles that, that interconnect and all of a sudden it becomes a logo for Mickey Mouse, Right. We have all kind of logos that are around that express something. But Jesus Christ, the word of God, the second person of the Trinity is far more than that. Right. He is the full expression of God. He is God manifest in the flesh. Everyone has a seems like a, a logo to express who they are and why they are in existence and so forth. So the word, the logos is the communication of God to humanity. And this is exactly what God, uh, what the Lord Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, what he revealed to the world about the word of God. He, the word, was the personification of the written and the spoken word of God. Perhaps you've noticed that this title or this name, the word, is used in Luke chapter 1, right? Servants, Luke chapter 1, verse 2, 
there was this, uh, uh, Luke is writing and he's, he's going to set forth an explanation of all that has happened. And he says he calls himself and others ministers or servants of the word, servants of the word. So the word is used as a name of the Lord Jesus Christ there in Luke chapter one, verse two, as well as John chapter one. So. In the few minutes we have remaining, let's follow along in our Bibles. We've named them already. Let's see if we can expand a little bit on each one. And verse number one was in the beginning was. Now, here we see described an existence without a beginning, right? Without any creation to bring the word into existence. He could say later on, as he's talking to religious people before Abraham was I am. All right. So here is an existence without a beginning. He was there before the mountains were brought forth. The psalmist says, psalm writer says, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now, this is a hard concept for you and me. We live in this realm called time. That's all I know. I was born in 1958 and I may die in 2019. But that's all I know is that little bit of stretch of time. But ever eternity, we're all going to exist somewhere forever. So from everlasting to everlasting, God has, is, has been there and he has revealed himself. We're going to see in the word. And then in verse number one as well, the word was with God. Do you see that? The word was with God there. In other words, uh, well, we would say right today, if, if there's agreement, right? There was, uh, 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 partnership, right? Agreement. Like I'm, if I'm talking to you and, and you're explaining something to me, you say, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I'm with you. Because you're, you're agreeing, right? You understand the flow of thought that that person is saying. I'm with you, right? Well, here the word was with God. There was fellowship with divine persons here, fellowship in the Godhead or the, the deity that has always existed. Fellowship between divine persons with God. And then the word, a positive identification. The word was God. Now, I know and you know, if you're familiar with trying to be a testimony out in the world in which we live, there are many false religions, cults that do, excuse me, their dead level best to deny the person of the word of God. They will say all kind of things to diminish or, or devalue the word of God, the son of God. That's what the, the, it's like. They're in the market to do this, right? To diminish the, the third, the second person of the Trinity. But here we have a positive identification. The word was God. We were singing God in three persons, blessed Trinity, right? Somebody has coined a phrase. I think it's quite helpful. A tri, God is really a tri unity, father, son, Holy Spirit. So here the word I was with God. The word was God. And then verse number three, all things were made by him. The word is the creator. There's no one like this person because without this person, there would be no persons. Right. Again, we have a lot of influential people, a lot of people that have made an impact on society, but they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for the word. Right. In the beginning was in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He is set forth as our grand maker. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. We do have a maker in spite of what society tries to impose upon us. Right. We do have a maker. 
And then he is the source of life. In him was life. Again, we have derived life. Where did you get your life? My mommy and my daddy, right? They came together. And all of a sudden, Malcolm Skelton was born into the world, right? Well, we can trace that even beyond, right, to our first father. And and, and uh, we could see the source of life. But I don't think so much he's speaking here of biological life as we would understand it, our existence. We're going to see as it's developed in the rest in this chapter and in the rest of the word of God, it's spiritual life, right? That eternal life, as he is called in another place. But it does, it is interesting that it, when it comes to biological life, right? In him, we live and move, right? And have our being, right? Oftentimes people, you know, go about life as if they, they're the, they're the cause of their own existence and they keep their self going because they pump iron, they eat their, they eat their Wheaties, that kind of thing. Well, it's certainly not so. Uh, some of us are familiar with Mr. Richard Dawkins, one of the atheistic champions, right, of the world. He made this statement regarding biology, the study of life. If we were speaking here of physical life, we know the Lord is. But he says biology is the study of complicated things that give the appearance of having been designed for a purpose. The appearance. Well, we know things were designed. You and me were designed for a purpose, right? The word of God declares that all things were created by him and what? For him. When you, if you and I ever stop to wonder why we're here, is it because, uh, we can come up with all kinds of reasons. I don't want to name them. But we were created by him and for him. And one of his, uh, later on, a uh, well-known British biologist, Mr. Francis Crick, uh, Crick, he said biology must, a biologist must constantly keep in mind that what they see was not designed, but rather evolved. In other words, there's this presupposition. They're studying. They're brilliant people. But it, hey, it wasn't created. It wasn't designed. It was just evolved, you see. But here, he set forth the Lord Jesus as the source of life. And we're going to see he is called that eternal life. It's amazing how occupied we can get with just physical life. This is the true God, John would later write, an eternal life. The word as life possessed this characteristic before creation, right? You and I came into being at a certain time. He possessed life. He is life. I am the life. And then verse 4 and 5, also the light, right? You see that. In him was life, and the life was the light. So here, the blessed word of God is referred to as the light, Right. He provides guidance and direction necessary for man. You know, it's one thing to exist. It's one thing to exist from day to day, but quite another to know how to live. How should I? We're beginning to see the the impact or the significance that this person, the word has on me. Right. Quite another thing to know how to live and to know the true purpose of life and to know the way to heaven. The same one who gave us life is the one who provides us with light. For the path we travel. Many spiritual guides and gurus have set forth over, over time, right, that they are the lights that are provided for men and women to follow, right? And, and influence, and, and individuals have been influenced by these lights. But the Lord Jesus is the true light. Verse number nine, the true light. There's a parenthesis of sorts in verse six through eight, uh, 
if, if we won't really cover, but uh, John the Baptist is, is the referred to there, and he makes it clear that he had a true mission from God. He was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. I just want to pause and say something here about the true light. What it says about the light, this is, this is especially helpful when it comes to you and I and, and, and our witness to others, right? As we, as we try, because the Lord Jesus said, you are the light of the world. As we try to be light bearers, what does it say here? That the true light gives light to everyone that comes into the world. Have you ever thought about this? <clears throat> that here was a man, a religious man called Saul of Tarsus, and he's going on his way to persecute Christians. And all of a sudden, there's this light beyond the brightness of the sun. Can you imagine? A light beyond the brightness of the sun. And it's the Lord Jesus, and he speaks to him. So light, the light came on for him. He was persecuting God's people. He was persecuting the Lord Jesus. But the light came on, you see. And I sometimes wondered, I, I, perhaps I wonder too far, but if, what if God did that for every individual? Would, wouldn't every single individual be saved? No, they wouldn't. Because you know why? Men or people love darkness rather than light. When the light comes on, there are those, the Bible says, that rebel against the light. They want nothing to do with the light. But that what we read here is that light gives light to every individual. This is so encouraging to me. You wonder, you have a family member, a friend that won't receive, that won't come to Christ, that's going to perish eternally in a lost eternity. But blessed be God, he's given light. The true light is given light to every individual. Now, notice in verse number 14, <clears throat> we have the word became flesh. The incarnation, we were singing of it, or the enfleshment. This is a wonder beyond compare. There is no one, absolutely no one. He is unique in every sense of the word. Somebody coined it like this. He became that which he never was, yet never ceased to be what he always was. The word became flesh. He became that which he never was. Never had a body before. God never had a body. But in the incarnation, he took on a body. He is unique in every sense of the word. Christ's uniqueness is so great that no one, absolutely no one, could compare with him. He existed long before his birth. There's none like him. As he, as the word of God traversed this scene among the children of men, as he performed miracles, they would say something like this, We've never seen anything like this ever before. So there was none like him in regarding his actions. There's none like him regarding his speech. They went to arrest him. They couldn't do it. They came back. Why didn't you bring this man? Because no one ever spoke like him. You see, he was, he was great in his speech regarding his person, regarding his actions, and regarding uh, his speech, regarding his person. He speaks in the Old Testament, I am God. There is no other. I am God. There is no one like me. In the Gospel of John, they asked him, Are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you greater? Later, John. Are you greater than Abraham? Are you greater than the prophets, they would ask. Well, here is one greater than Solomon, greater than Jonah, greater than the temple. 
I was informed recently of a, a student close to home here that was asked to give a report in their university of the person that most influenced them in their life. And this person being a child of God by faith in Christ, who would come to your mind but the word of God, the person of the Lord Jesus? The answer came back from the professor. No, he doesn't count. He's not. There's too much controversy with this person. Pick somebody else. Pick somebody out of our history. Pick somebody out of the world. Somebody, pick somebody that would. No, not the person of Christ, the most influential, the greatest person there ever was. No, no, don't pick him. Well, <laughs> sad to say they're going to give an account for that to that person one day, the judge of all the earth. Notice the phrase, he dwelt among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Us literally heard before he tabernacled amongst us. Here was this tabernacle. You remember in the Old Testament, the the tabernacle, the temple, what dwelled in there? The Shekinah glory of God, the revealed glory of God, right? They couldn't go past that curtain because if they did, they would be they, they would just be slain by the light. But here the word tabernacled amongst us and the Shekinah glory was within that body, you see. When he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, what happened? The What was inside came out, you see. that This is the wonder of the incarnation that, that as he, the, the word of God was here when he was born into the world, his divine nature dwelt in him as he walked about in the temple of his body. He could say later in John chapter 2, that he spoke of the temple of his body. So the Shekinah, or the revealed glory of God, dwelt in him. Now, just as a little side, notice the word made or became. Probably all, most of us have the word became flesh, right? This, I have found, is a source of tremendous meditation on the person of the Lord Jesus, because it tells his whole story. If I trace that little word made or became, there's a number of references. I won't refer to them all for, for sake of time. But here, the, the, I call it the marvel of made, what he became. The word became flesh. First of all, the incarnation, right? The word became flesh in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son made or become born of a woman. So there you have the incarnation. And then you have his humiliation. He who was in the form of God did not think it robbery to be equal with God, but what? Made himself. He became something that he never was from the highest to the lowest. There is his humiliation. He made himself. He emptied himself. He became something that he wasn't before. You see, his humiliation. And then we have his degradation. Galatians 3.13, the one that we're speaking of, the word of God, it says he was made a curse for us. He became a curse for us. You and I know we don't like to be disrespected. We don't like when, 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 when people speak or act ill towards us. But here was the blessed son of God who was God himself. But he was degraded, you see. He was made a curse. He became a curse for us. But it doesn't end there. Because Hebrew says that he was 
made higher than the heavens. Isn't that wonderful? He became higher than the heavens. So I have the story of the word of God as he was incarnate, as he was degraded, as he was humiliated, but then he's exalted, you see. Oh, does, this, does the word have significance? Oh, yes, he does. Yes, he does. And we're going to see. He's good. I hope he has significance with you and me. And then it says, we beheld his glory. We beheld his glory. What does John mean by that? Well, artists have long tried to depict, you know, the Lord. They have this little halo as he moves about, you know, among the disciples. This halo. Well, <clears throat> I think it's far, far more than that, right? He is God manifest in the flesh and in his life. The character of God was seen, right? Excuse me, in his works, uh, in his character, wherever he walked, the glory of God was revealed. You know, in, we referred to the tabernacle. The tabernacle was a beautiful object lesson, but from the outside, it didn't look very pretty, right? From the outside, it did not look very pretty. It had these... Old, uh, had porpoise skin, uh, badger skin on the outside, but all the layers as you went down become more and more beautiful. You walked inside and you could see the light that was shining in all these beautiful colors, the blue, the purple, and the scarlet, and the fine twine linen, you see. But from the outside, not very attractive. But he, the glory, he, we beheld his glory. And then, verse 17, he has a name, uh, we, him and he is in verse 15, so it's still the same subject of the word. The law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Often we'll ask when we go through this with younger folks, we say, well, who is the word? <clears throat> well, he's Jesus. Well, that's true. That is true. I'm not denying that, but he's not mentioned until later. Positively identified as Jesus Christ, right? Uh, the law came by Moses, grace and truth by um, Jesus Christ. In the last book of the Bible, in the revelation of Jesus Christ, when the, the, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in flaming fire and so forth, it says his name is called the Word of God. Marvelous, marvelous. So, the Word of God has significance. And the... Incarnation effect on this world cannot be measured, right? The word had a birthday, and all of a sudden our calendars change, right? B.C., A.D. That's just one thing. You know, again, men and women have risen up over time to have a, a quite a, an impact on society, but there's none like the word of God. No one has significance like him. It's without measure. God became a man. Now, listen to this. The Word was made flesh. The Word became flesh. That is marvelous. There's no one like Him. But what about you and me? What effect does that have on you and me? What can sinful man become in Christ? What does it say in our passage? As many as receive him. To them, he gave authority to become the children of God. 
So just think about this. As we have talked of the significance and the wonder and the power of the Word of God, the second person of the Trinity, coming into this world, what happens when we can receive Him? He has offered Himself to you and to me, right? So we can be made something, you see. We can be made new, 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. We are made new. I wonder if, if we went around the room today, has every one of us been made new? Become new in Christ. We are made something. There, there, there should be. There has to be an impact. Oh, yes, we can ignore it. We can avoid him. But only so long. Only so long, right? Speaking of the word of God, he says later, in John chapter 12, I said, I think the words you can avoid, ignore my words now, but the same words that I spoke to you will become your judge. Oh, yeah. God does not force himself on us. But what do we become? What are we made if we receive him? If we become new creatures, we who are once afar off are made near. We become near to God. We think sometime in our religious exercise, uh, you know, I pray, I read my Bible, I do all these things, and I, I'm, I'm getting nearer to God. No, no. If we receive Him as Savior, right, we who are once afar off are made near by the blood of Christ. We're brought near. And then as we testify of Him, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective uh, for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in the in us for the sake of Christ. So there's tremendous significance when the word became flesh. But what about the tremendous, is there significance, I ask, for you and me when we receive him? Just think about it this way. <clears throat> we were singing one of our songs, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. You know, <clears throat> One of the things that we strive for in life is to have good friends, good partners, good, good, good relations with people. But in salvation, in the grand subject that we've talked about here, think of this wonderful partnership that has entered. And when I receive Christ, the one who was holy, who was almighty, comes to live within me. Does that make a difference in my day-to-day -day life? Does that make a difference in my marriage? Does that make a difference in the way I treat my employer? The way I conduct myself in day-to-day -day affairs, the way I try to avoid the IRS, all of these things, right? Does it make a difference when the Word of God comes in, the Holy One who knew no sin? Does that make a difference to your life and mine? Does it make a difference in the way I speak? Does it make a difference in the way I think? Does it make a difference in what I watch on the television? Right? All of these things, right? It has an effect. It has significance. It should have significance. We listen, listen. We live in a very trying time. I am shocked to hear of the failure of humankind and Christians too. Lately. Overwhelmed to hear what happens in the lives of people, men and women that you know, that somehow have got off the mark and the word has no more significance to them. They have gone their own way. You see, ah, let him that stands take heed lest he fall. Right? Think of this. 
The holy, almighty, transcendent Lord liveth in me. Christ liveth in me. Right? Does he make a difference? When I walk into the lunchroom, when I walk into my employer's business, does he have an influence? Does he have significance? Does he have an impact on the way I conduct myself? Well, if you profess to be a child of God, he should. He should. Because here I am. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. Wherever I go, is that the case? When I, though so unworthy, still I'm a child of his care. If I, does he have significance with me, with, with, with the way I live, the way you live? My decision making. What about that? Does he influence my day-to-day affairs and the way I conduct this minute and that minute? Think about the way you use your time. The Bible says, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things. You and I, if you know Christ as Savior, are valuable. He, money could not buy us. But the word of God became flesh and purchased us at the cost of his own life's blood. Therefore... I should and will live for him. I'll live for him who died for me. There should be a vast difference. That's our lesson today. The word of God. He's made a difference in the world. Has he made a difference in you and me? Have you received him? Today can be, as often said, the first day of the rest of our lives, right? By making this conscious decision. To allow the one that dwells within me to move out of the driver's seat and allow the word of God, the living word of God. Imagine the influence I can have if my speech, the way I spoke to my wife, the way I speak to my employers, the way I speak to my children was fashioned after the word of God. Our father, we're thankful for the living word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. We thank you for the wonder and the marvel of him who became that which he never was, yet never ceased to be what he always was. He took with him back to glory that which he never had before. I came forth from the Father and have come into this world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. He brought with him that body and the marks of Calvary. Oh God, one day soon we will see him who know him. But we pray for those here today that may not know him, that have never received him and seen the evidence of him dwelling within us. We know, God, that the word had great significance in this world. We pray for all of us here that the word dwelling within us will have great significance in our lives. In his own name we pray. Amen.